0: for joining us in today. I hope you all are doing well. Um, My name is Emma and I'm the communications Jedi here at Good Life X. Um, Like I said, we're so excited to have you here for our third session of the Regenerating a Creative Future conversation series. Um, This series of five conversations is brought to you by the Creative Economy Program at the British Council Sri Lanka and Good Life X working in partnership with British Council's program, Making Matters, our media partners at Roar Media, and our industry expert, Lamali Rodrigo. So tonight's session is focused on the next generation's influence on creating smart, creative systems for the future. Um, we will be discussing how the intergeneration generation um, view system change for the future, um, how they use lateral thinking in their work, and of course, how to um, move forward. Um, your wonderful set of panelists tonight are Danielle, S- Elsiner, um, who's a founder at Decode in Brooklyn, um, d- uh, founder at, of Decode in Brooklyn, New York. Sorry, um, Alina Fernando, Fernando, intersectional environmentalist, um, Suresh Marushan, social innovation entrepreneur and founder of Ideal Six Private Limited in Wagalanka. Kavinya Tennakone, who's a learning experience designer, um, and our moderator Anishka Wadasinga, who's a co-founder of the Center for Smart Future. Um, So without further ado, I will pass it off to Anushka to get us started.
1: Thank you very much, Emma. Good evening, everyone. For those of you who are joining us on Zoom, but also joining us uh, on Facebook Live from different communities who have uh, joined us this evening for this very interesting conversation. Um, Systems change isn't easy and uh, sometimes can feel quite daunting. Uh, without us knowing what the, the entry points are, uh, where do we start? But what's uh, I think great about this evening's conversation is that we have several people who are actually driving change in the systems they operate. And they've already demonstrated that uh, systemic change is possible. Uh, many of them have brought in elements of creativity, uh, different types of creativity uh, and ingenuity into that work. Uh, and indeed, some of their work has implications and relevance for uh, creating lateral change, change in other systems than the one they are operating in, and some of them have actually gone uh, ahead to, to to make those uh, lateral, uh, you know, lateral shifts. These are some of the topics we are going to explore today. We also want, to, I think, what's important is to bringing these younger perspectives on system change uh, and the creativity element, because sometimes I feel that folks who have been at it for many many years. Uh, tend to perhaps be jaded and they might have blind spots in seeing what's truly possible and uh, that optimism and tenacity in bringing about uh, systems change, seeing new opportunity uh, to do that. So hopefully you'll get a glimpse of that from the individuals and their work uh, that are being showcased uh, today. So um, we have a bunch of uh, questions that uh, we thought would be interesting to explore with our panelists. Uh, Some of them might go into a a, a bit more specific detail into their work, Uh, but I thought we'll start off with uh, uh, something that gives all of us uh, a sense of their work and how they've approached it. So my opening question to to all of you, and perhaps I'll start with uh, uh, Danielle, and then move on to um, Alina, to Suresh, and then Kavindia is, give us a sense of uh, what, you've, what you've done so far. If you were to look back on uh, what you've done so far, can you point us to uh, one or two things that you feel are most, you're most proud of achieving in this space and what is the system change you're going for and what's the space you're trying uh, to, to change? So let's, let's kick things off with uh, Danielle.
2: Yeah, definitely. Easy question. So easy to say succinctly too. (laughs) So uh, I work in the field of zero waste systems design for apparel specifically at the moment. Um, I'd say one of the biggest uh, changes that I've been working towards is just um, this idea of designing backwards. The current fashion industry is so linear and, you know, we're all trying to move to a circular economy. But in the world of zero waste design, you kind of have to start at the end and work backwards to the beginning. So, I think that's one of the most difficult things to kind of get um, people to understand that in my um, working slash educational life, I've gone from school to industry, back to school, and now off on my own. And so, I think the biggest shift has been, um, and we talked about this a little bit um, when we were all chatting earlier, but going from working um, within the system, you know, within the uh, existing fashion industry to working outside the system yet still knowing the same vernacular and the way to talk to people about like this change that we're trying to instill um so that's where i'll leave it for now um but yeah thank you
1: <laughs> i am definitely going to come back to you daniel on this idea of uh, change from within versus change from outside to dig, dig in a bit deeper um uh, let's move on to alina give us a sense of you know looking back what uh, what change do you feel you've achieved so far and uh, and give us a sense of in your mind what system are you trying to change
3: oh, that is actually a very difficult question um, like Danielle said um, I think uh, for me what I've been doing it isn't just one system I feel like a lot of different types of systems interlap in what I kind of am doing in my activism so Essentially, um, I, dive, I I delve into um, system change in the fashion industry, in fast fashion, especially. Um, there's a lot of uh, more systemic change needed in the kind of like consumerism, I would say mostly consumerism. So consumerism goes into so many different aspects, but and fashion is one part of it. So the more the bad side of capitalism and overconsumption, which is a, commu- a consumeristic, you know, um, lifestyle and um, just a consumeristic kind of mentality of what we, be- like how we've become as a society. So breaking down that into being just more intentional and um, mindful in the way you purchase to, um, you're supporting if you're being you know there's a lot of really just kind of red tape around a lot of industries especially the apparel industry when it comes to fast fashion and uh, ethical well in, in ethical practices um when it comes to you know working in the fast fashion industry as a factory worker versus someone in as a ceo and stuff like that so i I, yeah, I can go into that a lot, but
1: that's kind of where I'm going to stop. Yeah, I I have a quick follow up for you, Alina, because I think uh, some of our audience might be curious uh, to understand this. So um, intersection, uh, intersectional environmentalists, could you unpack that for, for us? Because I think yeah. even in that there is a, you know kind of the connotation of of lateral lateralism right there. So uh, yeah. could you tell us what h-
3: yeah.
1: how you identify yourself as one?
3: Yeah. So for to be an intersectional environmentalist, it's um, intersectionality means that two separate topics or two separate areas um, connect together and interlink. So when you're an intersectional environmentalist, you're not looking at just the, you know, the raw environmental issue that might be happening. There's social issues that are going on. There's economic issues happening. So all of that combines. So you're not just looking at for example, um, you know with fashion industry, there's a lot of carbon emissions to the waste that fashion um, produces um, you know in landfills to the pollution from uh, what you know the water the the, you, the resource itself water to everything else they, it's used a lot you know in excess and all of that so that's the environmental side but then the social side would be, um, you know, the unethical practicing. So workers being put in, you know, sweatshop kind of conditions and not getting a min, not, not, not even getting a minimum wage to, um, you know, working so hard to get all this out there for people and people not really knowing that side of it. And the economic side is also, again, it kind of intertwines with the social because um, CEOs are earning, you know, what a worker makes in like its entire lifetime, they're earning that in about three days, working in a, in a big fashion corporate company. So the economic side of that as well, um, if that makes more sense, yeah.
1: I was planning on moving on to Suresh, but I feel that there is a, there's a bit more to dig in here around apparel, because we've been talking about apparel and the fashion system. So Daniel, if, uh, if I can just come to you when you hear Alina, talk about some of some of these issues. Um, I mean, you, from what I understand, you've you've been in the apparel industry. You've uh, you've seen it. You've been on that side. Now you're trying to make change from from outside. How do you even begin those conversations to try and change the system uh, when you're kind of an insider outsider? You understand. Uh, you have an appreciation for the industry and the challenges they face, and also the opportunities they create. But you also see uh, what's not working and what needs to be done. So what? How, how do you almost approach those conversations with those kind of CEOs and those uh, big corporates, those vested interests that may not have, uh, have any interest in creating system change?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, now these conversations are a lot easier than when I um, started having them. Like 10 years ago, no one really cared about um, zero waste design, what I was doing, because it was kind of a bit far off at the time. And now that you know, conversations are changing a bit more towards sustainability and ethical uh, creation, um, it's getting a little bit easier. I will say that in order to kind of um, get in the door with some brands and trying to make this change, um, one of the most impactful things I can do uh, specifically in like my system is, you know, zero waste design saves material and saves money. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what the, um, what, companies come down to at the end of the day, um, saving money. Uh, So those are um, easy introduction introduction um, points. But the larger conversations around like changing, changing the system of how things are made, it's um, often coming from the ground up within companies, like the, you know, the customers or the like even newer entry, like lower level employees are having these really great ideas around how things can improve. because they're usually the most recently in school or most exposed to new ideas. Um, and so starting like from the ground oh, up, and, kind up of, and empowering um, the people from within the company um, who are even a bit lower level, empowering them to start having those conversations um, wider and louder, I think that's one of the most important things possible. Um, yeah, I hope that kind of addresses the question. We can, we can always come back to it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm just curious to, to know what uh, what is what was one of the most startling or interesting responses you got when you uh, when you moved out of the industry and went back in to have these conversations and try and make change. Uh, could you give us a glimpse of you know uh, an interesting reaction, uh, you know, a startling reaction, a difficult reaction that you had? Any of, any of the above or all of the above?
2: Yeah. From, from a CEO
1: um, or from a fashion industry leader? Point.
2: Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is uh, when I was working within the existing system, um, a lot of the things I was working on ended up getting pushed to the side or like just not really, um, it was never given the time or the space it needed to grow. And then um, I think it's kind of, you know, because I believed in it so much, I left and went and did it and the reactions of people knowing how far I've gotten in just like a couple of years outside of being out of the industry. Um, you know, we opened our own manufacturing system because we couldn't get the existing one to work for us or with us, you know? Um, and just the kind of shock of, oh, you're actually doing it. Like we couldn't do it ourselves, but you are like, you know, your your own person that you went off and did it. And I think that the kind of shock of, oh, you actually believe in this this much to go do it yourself. I'd say that's usually the, um, the biggest reaction. And then it kind of makes people think a little bit more and are like, oh, okay, this is valid. Like it's getting attention and you know, it's, um, the, it proves that it works. So I think that in addition to the, to the kind of shock of going and doing it, it gives it more validity and lets people um, listen to it, wanna engage with it a bit more.
1: Fantastic. Um, Suresh, I'd like to come to you, um, to move the conversation to someone who is uh, who's from a technology background, technology in- interventions, uh, I, and I'll probably ask you later about how that got then linked to other sectors outside of uh, the technology space, surprisingly. But tell us, if you were to look back at the last couple of years and uh, you know which system or systems are you trying to change and what has been your work and the response so far. So
4: Anushka, I will share my personal experience, what I uh, studied in last few years, because in my school time, uh, there was uh, a myth that came on with that A-level artists people can't go for the science degree. So I told that my one of teacher that uh, I'm going to study in my uh, degree in DC. So he laughed with the, all of the, uh, the students in the classroom. But finally, I have my BSc in uh, with science degree in my A-level in, in art background. So that kind of myth I defeat in my in own country. So people now can uh, do arts and get the, their uh, degree in B.A.C. level. So that kind of thing can be. In, uh, then I uh, entered to my university in Rajarada. so it's a state university. So uh, even in the technology uh, competitions or the other things are not uh, relevant to that kind of state university because they were not uh, in the uh, center of the Colombo. So that kind of uh, uh, problems came on with in our university. So we a team in our university on uh, talented persons. Of universities uh, in our country, so we defeated few uh, teams, and we have won several uh, competitions, and we have represent outside of our country. So that kind of uh, barriers we have defeated with uh, last few years, and then uh, the I have proved that we can with uh, technology or the any kind of entrepreneurial. For the uh, enterprise in Sri Lanka without having any money. So I have to do that because there are funds from the uh, even in UNDP and the, uh, even in ICA. We can present now our idea to the government and we can bring uh, that idea in the community and uh, bring some uh, good social impact the environment of the community. So that kind of thing we have done in past few years. and. We have changed different kinds of level of the innovation and the ideas. So, uh, that's what I have, I have done in past few years. So, so far, I'm happy. So, we have to move more. And that's what i have doing in the past few years in COVID situations.
1: Okay, Suresh, I'm going to come back to you uh, in, a, in a bit to, to pick up on that last point you mentioned about how you've then gone on to engage with potential community. Uh, community uh change through change in another system so uh i want to move to kavinda now because suresh touched on a very important thing relating to uh, education and you know we all know that that's a system that has been ripe for change for a long time and kavinda you've been doing it initially uh, at, at a grassroots level here in sri lanka but now also you have exposure to a whole host of new tools and approaches in systems change in this, you know, education uh, space. Could you tell us a little bit about, uh, about that and your, your approach?
5: Absolutely. Anush, before I start, am I audible? And is it clear?
1: Yes, your voice, uh, your voice is audible. Your camera is a bit choppy, but it doesn't matter. Okay, We can sure. let you let well. me...
5: Okay, fabulous. So it's ironic, because I'm joining from Nyagala, where I was where I was born and raised. And here we only have internet access under one tree and there was a rain shower. So I'm under like a little hut. So hopefully things go smoothly. I think it's have a it testament changed. to sort of lack of access and how some of these underlying systems, especially in education are so broken. Um, let me switch off my camera just so that the voice would be a little more clearer. I think for me, when it comes to sort of systems change in education, I started off in Daraniyagama. That's where I started sort of being exposed to learning, educators, understanding what access means in learning, and then slowly transitioned uh, into a sort of a more global learning arena and understanding what the systems change look like there. I think for me right now, I've started work, I started working with young people um and schools and then realize that it's way too late to start at the age of 13 or 15. Um, so for me that was sort of my big learning in systems change to realizing that it's so much more impactful to start with five-year-olds four-year-olds six-year-olds and having taking that step back and realizing that all these different entities are part of a bigger system and finding out what is the most impactful lever that we can leverage. Um, So I think that has been my biggest learning so far. Uh, But in terms and my second learning is, I think we realized after COVID that there are so many players in the learning space, telecommunication companies, educators, designers, um, teachers, primary school teachers, secondary school teachers, parents are involved. Uh, So I think COVID helped us look at the education system in sort of a more broader sense that's also been sort of
1: one of my biggest learnings so far. Um, yeah, I'm going to come back to you, Kavindra, on a point you mentioned about the technology piece uh, linked to actually where you are right now around you know change at the grassroots. Um, I, I let's go back to Suresh for a minute, uh, and I now want to take the conversation in the direction of uh, the key word in the lexicon we want to introduce, which is, which is lateral. Uh, and um, Suresh, I think you've actually gone ahead and done that because uh, wh- while you started off developing technology solutions with, I guess, no intention of, you know, taking it to perhaps local government, you've now actually done that we are introducing these change uh, solutions to local government and addressing some of those uh systemic issues at the local government level so could you tell us exactly what that is and what the what the results you've seen so far and how you kind of took the what you did in the technology space to then try and make system change in a, a broken local government system
4: uh, we uh
1: Sorry, we might need to ask you to uh, maybe turn the video off for a little bit while you're speaking, so that we can hear you better. Okay. So Anushka, we
4: started the initiative project as a uh, solution for the water crisis in Rajgarh area. So the solution came with the water and the provide GPS location for the and uh, the clean uh, water trucks were delivering. So the solution came in with the national level, but the government situation funding. We get a, a fund from the UNDP, and uh, they introduce uh, you can do whatever the solution that you have built for the community to achieve the SDG goals. So we uh, the, so I have discussed with the, my uh, municipal council, uh, we can do track to garbage people uh, that where is they are moving, or uh, what kind of the things we can discuss with the, uh, their uh, problems. Basically, what kind of they are facing. Uh, looking at that uh, problem, we have developed a solution for that kind of problem. Basically, uh, First, we uh, give them for tracking solution. First time, I have never done that kind of solution. Even I don't have a technology background in my uh, jobs, Even I've never done in the software company. So I have built with the reference of the uh, knowledge in the internet. So uh, we have done that uh, successfully. Even some mistake happened, but we have corrected it uh, perfectly. And then uh, we uh, identify uh, dialogue, and the company also in that kind of thing. So they are they were failed in to introduce this solution to super councils because of the uh, we don't know the uh, problem. But we have uh, reached that problem and uh, discuss with them what kind of solution they were offering and uh, why they were failed. So uh, we. Uh, that kind of fail kind of thing and we have this mobile uh, location tracking supporting system for the waste. That means uh, you don't need an IOT device to track garbage that filled up. You have to discharge this so people can mark from their mobile phone there was a dumping location or the a uh, field uh, for the to, to the notify the uh, municipal council so they can watch how. And they can remove that uh, perfectly. So uh, that kind of system we have introduced. And we have given a few public services that public can directly campaign their, uh, to the municipal council and they can get the directly feedback from the mobile lab So they don't need, they don't need to go to the municipal council. and that they are on questionnaire every time. So the people can save their time, and we have. Uh, introduce this concept, and next we have introduced. Therefore, to uh, protect their environment, to rebuild uh, their nature. If I can share my uh, skin, I can show uh, how they design the uh, environment to modern uh, culture. So that kind of uh, we have did that kind of consulting for the municipal council also, and the, we have join the youth for this uh, program because they were like to uh, live in a clean environment. So uh, they were joining us and they uh, participate for the tree planting programs and they were uh, 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 participate for beach cleanups. They were participate for the clean up their cities because uh, we need to show this solution to the uh, general public that this kind of thing happening in your city because not introducing right. the technology is not a good uh, habit to promote it. We have to bring this to the community. So, that kind of thing we have done in uh, past uh, municipal council system. And we.
1: Sorry, I just want to j- jump in there to ask you something. Do, do you think that now? Uh, Uh, local governments and government officials are more open to work with with young people perhaps but also outside entities coming in with technology solutions uh, because typically how these agencies organizations work is that you know they put out a a tender usually it's the large organizations the ones which have a very traditional track record Uh, they are quite hesitant to go with younger people with startups with uh, you know technology solutions that haven't come from big vendors uh do you think now this is changing and government uh, particularly local government are open to outside solutions innovative solutions like this
4: anushka uh, sorry anushka it's not a uh, i can't say exactly this can be done any kind of people who would like to change the environment because there were certain some challenge i have also fa- faced because uh my first impression is good with the my, my, my municipal council mayor because he is a, uh like to change his uh, city. But when I go to the uh, CMC, Colombo municipal council, they don't like this kind of system because they did. What they told is that they have a bigger problem more than this. That uh, they can uh, get a thousand uh, or more than the campaign came from the uh, one day that they can't handle if they can't handle that kind of problem in the uh, positive way the total bad image can be came to the their side so that kind of political or the people mindset will affect your innovative solution that you are trying to bring this municipal council and uh, second thing is the government policies always demotivate you because uh, they were not like to go on with the uh, better solution with the municipal council, because they were fully corrupted. Even in now, uh, I have uh, gone through more than uh, fifty uh, local councils. I, I have parts with their uh, major meetings, but most of them all are corrupted. Because I have seen uh, European Union funded, even in UNDP funded. Uh, even in a, what are the funded they were came in for that municipal council they only approach that fund not to do the work they were they want to get that fund only not to do the work that kind of thing happening so you need to be innovative you need to be tricky how to uh, implement this kind of solution to the uh this municipal council if if you want to do the proper way you need to be the mayor of one of council yeah. and you need to prove that this should be done without uh, any problem or without any, uh, you can do this existing system. Uh, I don't know if you need to be the creative person or that kind of thing.
1: I think you make a very valid point there because also that credibility uh, comes in, particularly with young people with solutions. And to Danielle's point about how how people reaction uh, is, is different when they realize oh you're actually going ahead and doing it you're getting a track record you're uh, you, and building that credibility uh, Kavindi, I want to come to you on the a point you mentioned about uh, about technology access but also uh, you know to my earlier point about this uh, it, the tendency to go with some of the bigger bigger firms a, a big technology I mean you uh, were were based in one of the heartlands of of uh, big technology companies but but you're creating system change uh, at the grassroots with your organization before and and continuing that work so how how does that sit in with this idea of creating system change does it make it uh, you know is there a way to bring those two worlds together or is are they in constant in conflict um, t- tell us a bit about how you've experienced that from going as a grassroots activist promoting uh, these these education initiatives to also now seeing the role of uh, big technology companies, big corporates entering this space also around education.
5: Um, I think that's such a good question. Uh, let me know if you want me to switch off my video, the audio is not clear. Um, I think it's mainly sort of two things. Uh, one, I'll first talk about big tech and the disconnect um, my full-time job, I work for a, a very large social media company, uh, which is a very questionable motive if you're coming from a grassroots activist space. Um, I don't necessarily identify myself as an activist, but as a grassroots educator, that's a very questionable place to be. Um, with, my, with my sort of one foot in sort of Silicon Valley and this big tech space, it's not a space that I would have ever thought of being in coming from and this, even this environment I'm like dialing in from, it's kind of worlds apart. The biggest issue I see in big tech is that the reality that big tech is solving for is so different to the real problem.
1: Uh, Karina, maybe we'll come back to you. Uh, that sounds we great. We have better, better connectivity. Um, Daniel, in going. Going along this uh, idea of lateral and applicability uh, of change, system change in one system, say, the fashion uh, system, or the apparel uh, system, to, to others, um, is this something that you're looking at? Do you see applicability in your approach to creativity and innovation in the system you are in to others? And in fact, give us a sense of whether you've already explored that or others have tried to exploit with you?
2: yeah definitely uh, so <clears throat> there are so many industries where this system is applicable or where we can learn things from other systems and take it into our own uh, you know the apparel um one of the things that i'm most passionate about is making like a, an fda for fashion you know the food and drug administration where every ingredient has to be listed on package why isn't that done for fashion as well you know um But uh, in my own practice of zero waste design, anything you're making with material can be done in a zero waste method, basically. So there's applications in any other um, material based um, industry, which is really exciting. Of course, fashion is my lens for right now, but I I definitely have aspirations to move outside of it. Um, And one of the really interesting things that we're working through right now is we've been approached by a lot of... um, kind of future facing web three, like crypto based fashion brands who want to make a physical tangible output of clothing along with their, um, you know, like NFTs and what have you that they're making. Um, And it's a really interesting conversation because um, the way that, you know, cryptocurrency is disrupting the financial system, uh, we're disrupting the fashion system with what we're doing with like, you know, the whole radical transparency model and every single step along the way is, Tracked and you know who did what when you know that kind of thing, um, so that's been a really interesting journey, um, and we're continuing to explore that and see what it actually means. You know, does there actually need to be a physical, tangible output of clothing that goes along with it? Does it add to the story or does it just add more noise? Um, how can you thoughtfully, you know, selectively create things that add to the positivity of what you're doing um, instead of just again making more?
1: I, I just want to explore that uh, a, a bit you know you 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 mentioned fda like organizational approaches um but we're also talking about you know completely decentralized unregulated system so yeah. um w- w- what are your thoughts on you know it, are we moving towards a more radically decentralized approach to to this where everybody you know it's really led by consumers and producers and uh, folks in the supply chain, uh, you know, driving the kind of system change, or do you still see a role for uh, yes, system change, but you know some of the more established organizations playing a role, coming to the realization that uh, they also need to change. Just trying to understand where, where you you think it, is it something more very radical, where right? it's very individual, initiative driven, folks, you know thousands of folks like you you and others or do you think when we say system change we also mean uh some of those you know fairly state traditional organizations also coming along on that journey
2: yeah it's a very uh pointed question because you're right it is two sides of like a very opposite coin that i'm talking about huh um so i think that in general the way that change is going to happen is through this radical um, these radical systems because it's something completely new that can really change what we're doing, and I think that individuals being able to take on change and make these new ideas, it wouldn't be able to happen in these larger companies. Like this, it, this idea inception of how we can actually change things needs to kind of be done in the ether, and then eventually brought into the corporations. Um, you know, it's really hard to make change in an existing system. Change is the thing that everyone fights the most, and um, it really does. I think. It will ultimately come from the ground up. Like, I don't see any reason for one of the large fashion brands to really change what they're doing because the consumers keep buying. There's no, like, there's nothing stopping them from continuing to do what they're doing. Um, So, I think uh, also kind of tying into the education side of things um, that we've been talking about, uh, we need to continue educating consumers and educating designers that there are other ways of doing things. Um, And, like, in my work, I, you know, there are patterns that I give away for free just as an educational tool, because I want to show that anyone can do zero waste design. And that does make it really, um, it does bring it to an individual level. And that's how you can make a lot of change. You know, changing one person's mind about how things are done um, just really has this huge ripple effect. Um, and the more individuals that you can affect with your, with your ideas, um, I think that's where the most change is going to come from.
1: Great, um, Daniel. When you talked about you know getting more people to do it and you know spreading spreading that education, awareness, and inspiring others, um, I I feel like Alina might have uh, an input on this because your your channel for influencing change is really around social media and digital. So could you talk us a little bit about what your experience has been so far in you know going beyond um, just, you know, short-lived uh, responses to, you know, you've been doing this for a while, you've been consistent. So uh, how do you use digital, how you use social media and the role you think that plays in this idea of getting everyone to do it and creating system change where more people buy into, uh, buy into uh, the change you're wanting to create. Yeah, so um, just
3: to dive in, basically, I started doing digital or social media activism because it was another way of, you know, when you're talking about lateral thinking and lateral change. Um, I noticed even going to the U.S. and studying environmental studies there and all sorts of, you know, different topics in sustainability and stuff. There was so much that I didn't know, and I was never taught in Sri Lankan education system. So to go over that system, I decided that it would be an interesting thing to try out social media as a way to raise awareness about environmental issues and everything that I was learning personally while I was a student in college, as well as um, from you know reading different articles to um, following similar activists all over the world and kind of just doing my own research. And that all really just Kickstarted me wanting to share more with everybody here. So, essentially, what I try to kind of relate to everybody else who follows me or who just you know um, looks into the content that I put out is that systemic change can occur if we take on individual actions. If a lot of us collectively do that, we could all we could cause systemic change. Um, from the outside of the system. So essentially as an individual, um, I was taught like from when I was younger as well that there's so much that needs to change in the system itself and the industries and the people in power who actually have the voice. But we as individuals have a voice too. And that was something that I tried, that is something that I tried to bring out every day in my activism online because a lot of people assume that they don't have anything to do. Like they, they don't have a choice in what's happening and they don't have an option or um, the, the basic ne- um, essential need to be able to make this kind of change. So for me, I try to get people to understand that individual actions really do make a difference. So for instance, Um, one area where you kind of a different approach to consumerism or that you know consumeristic um, lifestyle is voting with your dollar so or voting with your wallet so voting with your dollar or your rupee or whatever currency is where you are advocating or supporting brands based on what you're purchasing so with within time, if more and more people start doing that and don't just, um, you know, I would I would like to say less consciously, but you know, mindlessly buying things for the sake of buying them because cap, that's the way the capitalistic industry works. They're trying to promote this to gain profit for themselves, and it becomes thing. It becomes a thing that our generation, especially my generation, if you're not. Upgrading into the newest technology, or if you're not, you know, con- con- consistent with the trends that are happening in fashion, and you're not, um, you know, wearing the newest uh, style, it's outdated and it's not mainstream. Which means that you aren't kind of sticking to the way the system is working. So for me, what I have been doing and what I've been telling people to do is to go against that, which is, you know being more conscious about the purchasing that you're making don't just um you know don't just look at something and go okay i'm gonna buy this think about why you want to buy it do you actually need it um is this a brand that you know is actually doing something that's good for people and the planet is it is there really bad unethical practices involved in their you know this their supply chain their um everything so that's one thing that I try to kind of advocate for which is we have a big say and so with that the hope is that eventually um, and I think it's it's already caught on a lot more in countries like the U.S. and especially in Europe is that companies are noticing that people are now seeing that they need to be more conscious about who they're purchasing from and are finally like being aware because this is all information that has been spread through the internet if I didn't have those techno like the technological ability to kind of share this um, information have that as a resource people in the U.S. wouldn't know what was happening in Sri Lanka and I wouldn't know what was happening in the U.S. if that was the case. So just kind of, it's a it's a really big movement, the social media activist movement because it is, and it's a really great way to kind of meet like-minded people because I have spoken to so many different people all over the world and they're doing similar things that I'm doing here in all over the world in Sri Lanka. So um, a big part of that is slow fashion movement. So that includes telling people, you know, um, don't worry about what other people say you can repeat wearing your own clothes you can purchase from thrifted places you don't have to buy something new and with that in mind slow fashion kind of gives people who don't have access to um, you know high like much high quality clothing expensive clothing to be able to feel more comfortable in a space where they can purchase secondhand where they can. Choose something that's better for them and their wallet as well. So
1: yeah. Um, Alina, you you know you brought up an interesting point here that makes me want to explore the idea of of how do you bring when we say we want to bring on more people and getting everyone to do it. Uh, it, there is of course the older generation, and I'm conscious that this panel, the topic is a lot about the role of young people. Um, so I'll come. So maybe you can think about that for a bit until I get to Kavindia, because Kavindia, especially in education, there's a disproportionate role that uh, older people play in decision-making around it, whether it's in ministries, in the school system. Um, uh, but what's your experience like in driving system change in education, uh, particularly the response of the older generation? And you know, have they been responsive? Have they been obstacles? Uh, are they, you know, um uh, beginning to come around and i'm going to ask the same question of uh this is actually a question coming from the audience i should have said uh it's been messaged uh to us i think through facebook so i'm going to ask that to kavindya and the same with alina given your focus on social media and digital and also to to suresh so kavindya uh over to you first
5: thanks anush um is the audio okay is it Amazing, Um, so I'll keep it short. Um, I think one of the things I've seen is that we need to meet people where they're at. Uh, A lot of decision makers, especially in the education system at large, went to school 30 years ago. And if you look at the education system now, if you take, um, let's say a 13 year old or a 10 year old, the kind of jobs that they would be doing hasn't even been created yet. So I think there is this mismatch between the people who are making decisions versus the world that they have seen and the world, world they're designing for. I think two main things that I've done and that has had some work, uh, that has had some impact, firstly, is that bringing people who are from a different generation into your leadership. Uh, my co-founder at, at Tilly is, is 56. Um, so it's basically when she's in the room with me, people who are at that age range of sort of 50 plus automatically have this approval seal because I have somebody who they can relate to who understands their language on my side. And I think the second thing that I've seen is that we need to speak their language. For instance, I would go into a space and say, we need to make social emotional learning accessible. But for a teacher who's been in the industry for 40 years, 30 years, their focus is on disciplining kids. So instead of going and saying social emotional learning, I would say, how can we better discipline kids? So I think it's really a a creative use of language and having age diversity in your leadership.
1: Uh, Kaveena Antovic, Tilly is uh, the the education, the, the tool uh, uh, that you developed, right? Or the program or the package. Yes. Maybe our audience might be interested to hear a little bit about that because you do have collaboration, I think, with different groups, different age groups. Uh, yes.
5: Yeah. yeah. Um, so Tilly is a—it is a, was actually my graduate school thesis that I started in 2019. And there was interest from parents and teachers. Uh, it's a social emotional learning tool for five to 10 year olds. Uh, And we design for classrooms as well as homes. So it's designed for teachers to play in their classrooms and also parents to play with their kids. Um, So for us, it's a lot to do with convincing educators, uh, the Ministry of Education, uh, donors, uh, telecommunication companies to make us free and to white label tools like us. Uh, So it's really sort of mapping the system. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And do you see applicability of Tilly outside of the education, strict kind of education uh, space to other spaces around learning uh, and uh,
5: Absolutely. You know, thinking
1: through problems differently as a tool? Yeah, I think. think it as a tool?
5: I think, yeah, I think with what you spoke about lateral thinking, the initial problem that Tilly set about to solve was gender based violence. That was the the problem that I had in mind. Like, how can we? how can we make environments safer? How can we ensure that perpetrators don't get caught in cycles of violence? This was the initial problem. And it's interesting how when you map the system, you realize I ended up with five, and five to 10 year olds, but the problem at the core was gender-based violence. And I looked at sex education, I looked at awareness campaigns and realizing that it's way too late. How can we talk to five-year-olds? So I think that's one thing. And I think the second thing with this is we're also looking at informal learning spaces. Um, the veranda, the TV room, uh, when you're going with your kid in the bus to school, um, how can, how can this learning tool be applicable to situations like that? And also for adults, we have a lot of teachers now using some of the tools we designed with their husbands because they say... Well, my husband doesn't know how to express himself. So I've been using these emotion cards with him. So it's just interesting how, how far these tools go and the different spaces they go into and the problems they they tend to solve. So, yeah.
1: Okay, great. Um, I want to pose the same question to Alina. Alina, digital, social media, these, are, these all tend to be associated with a certain age group, but if we are to bring along everyone, older generation matters. So, uh, this is actually a question from the audience, uh, specifically on initial to Alina, uh, about the response from older generations to your activism on social media. Um, I also want to roll in another question from the audience to Alina. Sustainable products tend to be priced on the higher end. What are your thoughts on how these can be made more, more accessible? Um,
3: yeah, so. Okay, with um, how the older generation reacts to my digital activism, I think that's a really great question. It's quite interesting that, well, especially I think the thing with digital activism is it's not accessible to everybody. So I try, obviously, digital activism is not where it should end. There should be activism in um, physical, like physical activism, and we should be continuing education in of physical sense as well, where it's not through digital modes of communication and stuff. So the older generation, um, I think they find it interesting. I've personally, from many people in the older generation, uh, especially in my parents' generation, were quite interested that I was using something that they don't really like too much, which is social media in a more positive way compared to a lot of the negative aspects that social media brings like insecurities to bullying to that kind of stuff. So they did and they did like that part of it. And um, yeah, I think to move on to the other question um, with sustainable products being obviously higher priced, that is the case in most things because of, the longevity of them. They're not supposed to be something that you repurchase like a normal product that would be single use or in a plastic container. A lot of these sustainable products are made to kind of change the system again from a linear economy to a circular economy, which means that from when it's produced to um, consumed and whatever, and then disposed, instead of going to disposal, it goes back into that loop, which is it's reassembled or it's refilled or it's reused to make something else. So that's why um, sustainable products tend to be a bit more on the pricier end. But the idea is that you're investing in something that's gonna last you a much longer time, which is a lot better quality. It is better for your health and better for other people as well as um, the environment. But especially with sustainable brands and products in mind, there's always some sort of alternative that you could choose, which is on a cheaper end. So they, you know, for an example, reusable utensils, um, they have like a utensil kit that you can buy. You don't have to buy that. You could just get your cutlery from home, put it in a napkin and take it out with you. You don't need to purchase all these different things. So that's just an example. And If you are, yeah, if you're interested, you can definitely message me any other time and I will love to give more of an answer.
1: That's the kind of positive and action-oriented note we wanted to begin to close the session on. So I'm going to um, uh, jump here to Danielle to ask the same question around, you know, when you hear about this older gen, younger gen kind of divide when trying to influence systems change, Uh, Is this something that resonates with you at all? Or are you now seeing regardless of generation, everyone kind of coming to a common realization and maybe you can wrap up your commentary telling, uh, leaving us with like Alina did something, you know, action oriented uh, that that, that either you have done or you're planning on doing and we could do too.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, So to answer the first question, I don't find as much of a generational um, difference in my line of work I think um, it's whether it's how long you've been in the industry that kind of jades um your thinking I think it's not directly related to age um in just in my experience uh, so that's a really it's been really interesting listening to um listening to everyone's thoughts on that um I would say from my perspective my favorite thing to leave people with um I do a lot of uh, lecturing and mentoring at universities and the biggest thing you can do um, and the best thing you can do is just keep asking questions, um, even if it seems like they're um, silly or like, you know, it might seem obvious if you ask the question, it makes someone think about it a little bit more uh, for students, I always say, you know, there's a very finite amount of time between school and when you're already in your industry and um, where you are supposed to know everything. There's a few years where you can just ask literally anything and it's just because you're trying to expand your education and you know um, understand the system better, but it really gives you such a powerful stance to be able to ask those really um, pointed questions and understand why things are being done a certain way so that you can learn how you can change it in the future. Um, so that's my like number one positive thing to keep doing and keep reaching out to people in your network or even outside of your network who are interested in similar things as you and see how you can, you know, make the power of one plus one equal three.
1: <laughs> great, great notice. Uh, I need to, to move on to to Suresh. Uh, Suresh, um, could we hear from you about uh, your you know, the response from communities, there's a question here, actually, how have communities response been in adopting smart systems like the one you've uh, introduced in local governments and municipal councils, uh, and particularly, given that uh, a big part of these communities are older the, the people, older people holding office, older people as community leaders. So um, could you tell us a little bit about that uh, uh, briefly?
4: i mean anushka uh, we we had a, a good plan how to introduce this to, to the society we we were discussed with the mayor and the their staff how we were going to change the environment and the human behavior because human behavior is the most important thing to change the system so uh, we discuss each part of uh, how we need to change so we introduced the solution and we did the marketing best that's in the <laughs> But the best uh, better thing to market this is in the uh, social media. So we did it in the social media and people noticed that the uh, this municipal council is trying to do something other than other uh, political things. This municipal council is trying to do something change and people getting uh, touch with that. So we uh, we have a time plan. So uh, we release uh, between two weeks or uh, one month. Uh, different different plan or the different different product or the different different innovation idea in the municipal council. The people of, uh, uh, ran, ran not randomly, uh, they were uh, frequently monitoring our changes, so they will appreciate us. They will share our uh, throat in the social media. And it, uh, the next stages, it gone through the national newspapers and the national media. Uh, they were discuss what's going on with the, this. This implicity urban council innovation signed up thing. So uh, it it came as a viral, and uh, the rest of municipal council questioning what's going on with your uh, council. They were came to visit. Uh, what's kind of difference happening in here? So uh, as a result. I got the opportunity of uh, Western Province Waste Magma Authority to introduce this platform to all of the Western Province Council. We introduced that, we we did in 2019. And uh, other part of Municipal Council that they were going with their own initiatives, that even in, uh, I have seen, Caduela Municipal Council, they were tried their own thing with the Moroto University and uh, few. uh, Gampaha uh, Municipal Council, they also try to go with different kind of initiative. So they were uh, trying to do uh, the new kind of thing while following us, right? It, 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 okay. did a different uh, impact to the social. So even in the past president, now current president, even he brought us what you are doing in this kind of thing. So what's going to impact with the society? They were tried. And finally, I have to say, uh, unfortunately, the different we have did in the first municipal council in Amravati, they may have to go to home because of that kind of initiative change we have done in the local council area. So that's, that that's of, definitely
1: a sign of uh, system change.
4: <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing can be happen.
1: Thanks, uh, Suresh, for that. I think there are a couple of comments from what you said and something Daniel said earlier that I used to, to wrap up. But before I do, Kavindia, um, there's a question that has come from the audience. Uh, it was actually addressed to me, but I'm going to pose it to you, and I'll give some thoughts uh, at the end. What can governments do to catalyze system change across sectors like apparel and education? So I'm only going to take education uh, uh, and turn it over to you. Um, and along awesome. with, uh, I just... I, I, sorry, just uh, l- also given that you do engage with both grassroots as well as, um, you know, meta level institutions as, as well as at the policy level, give us a sense of uh, hope and an action point that we can, uh, you know, look forward to and work on.
5: So. Yeah. Um, I think with the first question, I think, I think three things come to mind with how governments can can think through systems change. I think if you look at the education space, the first is that we need to map the system currently. I think in education, the ecosystem has changed so much. We don't even know who the players are. We don't know who the organizations are. We don't know um, teacher unions. We don't know what are kind of the collectives that teachers have formed, that principals have formed, that students are forming. What are the... Technologist in this space. So I think the first is to map the ecosystem and understand what, what is this system. And the second thing is there's a data issue where we don't understand the breadth and the depth of the problem. Um, if you take internet access or basic sanitation facilities in schools, literacy levels, we don't have a good enough idea of what the current state of education looks like. And I think the second issue is that And the third issue is, I think, um, even Suresh mentioned this, how can governments start thinking about, especially education, behavioral change more intentionally? Because if learning is not leading to a behavioral change, then learning is really not really happening. So how can we design learning that actually leads to a change? Um, To your last point of uh, sort of a call to action or what keeps us positive, I think one thing that I would ask is, to just have a conversation with someone you disagree with i think especially education something i've tried to do more intentionally is to meet people who i disagree with um i've hated large telcos and now i partner very closely with large telcos um and if you meet someone over a cup of tea and have a conversation we'll realize that we're much more similar and we're trying to go achieve a very similar reality and a future, but our means are very different and our fears are a little different. So I think that will be my, my call to action. Have a conversation with someone you disagree with.
1: Fantastic, uh, Kavindia. And I think that brings us to the end. We have covered uh, all of the questions that came to us through uh, Facebook Live and also uh, on the chat sent by DM to me as well. Um, this has been a really interesting session because, uh, you know, when I was thinking about this session, you know, systems change sounds so daunting. Uh, role of young people in systems change even more daunting. You know, smart cross smart and creativities uh, also added into that. Man, that's that's a lot to digest. But I think what we've seen with the folks featured today, you know, Alina, Daniel, Suresh, and Kavindya, is that. Uh, it's it's possible and there are probably some messages that i'd like to distill from the discussion the first is something that kavindya talked about the rigor so when trying to create system change i think uh, mapping the system understanding that uh before trying to take any steps being taking deliberate steps in system change requires you to first understand and map the system and also to daniel's experience it helps to know where uh where the industry is at right now so Being an insider and then coming out and being able to make that change uh, kind of might help you bring that uh, rigor and understanding. The other big one for me was demonstrate and do. Danielle, Alina, Suresh all talked about it, you know, building that track record, showing what's possible, consistently doing it. In Suresh's case, you know, the proofs of concept and the pilots, which then everyone sits up and takes notice and wants for their own, uh, you know, local government. Uh, With Danielle, it was going beyond saying, beyond an idea to actually saying, here's what we're doing and how you need to come on board. The third um, message to distill, I think, is while we did talk about the lexicon of lateral, I think there's also an intergenerational piece that came out today. Uh, And we acknowledge it is an issue. There is a gap in bringing the older generation, but it's not an uh, insurmountable gap. Suresh uh, uh, referred to it, Danielle referred to it. Uh, Tilly, uh, Kavinder's startup, has the co-founder who is from the older generation, a deliberate measure to try and bridge those worlds together. And finally, really to um, re-emphasize what Kavinder said about having a conversation, I don't think we can imagine trying to make systems change by being very happy to be one little peg in the system and thinking that we can change that without having a conversation with folks who are key players in the system, who we may not have thought we needed to collaborate with, we may have been on opposite ends of an argument with, you know, I think we need to cross the aisle, uh, not sit in our silos, if we truly believe in system uh, change. So this is just some of my thoughts, folks, I hope you continue to engage with the content that will come out of this session. Um, I want to thank all of you for joining, particularly Alina, Daniel, Suresh, and Kavindia. Um, And I hope you continue to think about many of the things that were discussed today and uh, taking some of the actions that uh, I think we all can in whatever system we operate in. And thinking, you know, how could this be applicable? What I'm doing here and now in my system or in my space to someone else and perhaps having a conversation might trigger a new possibility. Thank you very much and have a good evening.